I didn't realize how much uh, I haven't watched the Sarah Silverman bit in so long. And I was like, oh, yeah, you're amazing. <laughs> I didn't realize that she and Michael Sheen broke up, though. Oh, Sam. I Well, it was funny because she was telling that whole story. And I was like, hmm, is she still with Michael Sheen? Is that who the story is about? Nope. Nope. <laughs> I find myself constantly getting way too invested in celebrities' relationships that I don't care about until I start sensing something's rocky. And then I'm like, oh my God. What about Lena Dunham and Jan- Jack Antonoff? What happened? Oh no. It's okay. Hey, you know who does have a rock solid relationship? I'm going to say, uh, off the top of my head, John Krasinski and Emily Blunt. I think those Damn two are right. solid. <laughs> I saw The Quiet Place twice in the last 24 hours, which, let me tell you, that's dedication because it's a very stressful movie to see a second time. I was going to say, uh, it was. <laughs> my poor wife was shaking when it was over. <laughs> yeah, so I was commended for seeing it a second time this morning after, after the person who's next to me saw, saw it and they were like, you saw that twice in 24 hours? I'm really impressed. You can just but- say Skylar. <laughs> <laughs> No, I like that. It's my fun. It's my fun bit that I just happen to sit next to the same guy every time I see a movie. It's weird. You should probably call the cops if the same guy is at the movies with you all the time. I know it's it is weird, but I mean it's kind of flattering. So I was, but it was nice because having seen it last night and then seeing it again, I could tell the guy who was sitting next to me every time it was okay to eat or like something like that. I'm like, I'm like and you can eat now, and you can eat. I was like, in thirty seconds, you can eat. Alamo Drafthouse has the whole list of things like you should eat because they're soft. Like, please enjoy our pretzel. Please stay away from the chips and queso. <laughs> yeah, it was it was pretty great. It was pretty great. Although last night I saw it and the theater next to me was playing Ready Player One, which is a very loud movie. <laughs> yeah, I bet uh, your walls got a little reverberation there. Well, yeah, in those silent moments, like I would hear music and I'm like, Okay. <laughs> or like I'd hear like a car going really fast and I'm like All right. You're like, "Well, her It's something I would want to watch at home in a blanket with my floor covered in sand." <laughs> her her hearing aid might not be working perfectly, but it appears to be picking up some sort of radio station. <laughs> I love that. Um, I did have a moment, and I thought this after I saw it the first time, and the guy next to me thought it after seeing it the second time, where it's like, you know, it really sucks that it took her an extra hour to figure out that hearing aid because she could have saved her dad's life. (laughs) Like, he totally died for no reason. I mean, it was symbolic. (laughs) What? Spoiler alert. (laughs) Spoiler alert. John dies at the end. (laughs) Yes. Ah, oh, really I just, good, I just, I? well, now I got to think up a different alternate title. Okay, you do that. You've got a whole podcast. All right. Start um, a timer. I've, really, I've got really like 45 good. minutes. Okay. Uh, that was really good, though. Thank you. I'm very impressed by that one. Uh, or you can just use it. You can just, you can just actually edit that out and just use it. You can't just you keep want. telling me to edit things out. <laughs> no, it's, it's just, good. so just, 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 you know, that whole racial out. rant, that, that racial slurry rant that I just had, just edit it out. No, I think the Polish like, people deserve to know what you think of them. <laughs> There's a thing in Texas that happens. Hold on. I'll get to the movie in a second. 
where you'll talk to people and they seem perfectly pleasant and like towards the end of the conversation you're like oh you're a little bit racist and it's really frustrating to me because I live in a complex where I am one of the younger tenants like it's a lot of like young families with like with one kid or divorced women so I kind of fit there and uh, and uh, and you know like uh there's a few people like out of college in the workforce but you know just sort of starting out so I'm kind of in this weird place where there's like three or four people that are about my age here but there are a lot of women who are in their early 50s and I you know I will talk to them because they are also very dog crazy and so I'll be in the dog park and I'll talk to them and it's nice for a while and then I realize like during the conversation some of the stuff they say I'm like okay I might be hearing this wrong like I might be hearing this wrong I'm never hearing it wrong Dan (laughs) I'm never hearing it wrong and it's hard because I experienced this in Montana too I just was in this little bubble in Seattle where I thought that this didn't exist anymore which of course it does of course it does but it's so frustrating to me because I want to be kind to all people and I don't want to think ill of people. But when people say stuff like that, I'm just like, great, I'm going to avoid you now because this conversation makes me uncomfortable. <laughs> yep. It's, um, it's America. I was going to say, it's not just old people. It's a lot of old people, uh, yeah. but it's not just old people. I had an instance with someone recently where they said something casually that was so racist my actual response was jesus christ i'm not sure like clark wants you talking about your guys's conversations well people need to know what he thinks about the romani people (laughs) they really do Mm -hmm. that's like the number one email we get at secret weapon yep also, I'm super on top of sending you guys emails that you need. <laughs> Clark was like, hey, thanks for doing that. I'm like, yeah, I'm, I'm legit as fuck. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I immediately, when receiving that photo, said, send me the high defs, bitch. <laughs> I wouldn't put that past me as a thing I'd say, but I did it not It does sound like something that. you'd say. Send me the high defs, It totally bitch. does. It actually, of anything I've said today, including the things I've just said, that sounds the most like something I'd say. So... A quiet place as a place I would die, like immediately. <laughs> but wouldn't we all? I feel I fe- I'm amazed that they were able to print all those papers that said it's sound, it's sound, sound does it. Be quiet. Like, but who put those on a truck and drove around to drop them off? Trucks are noisy. <laughs> you just sentenced your poor distribution system to die. Yeah, the, and then there was the great whiteboard with like the. Three in area. What is its weakness? Question mark. <laughs> no, which I I found really laughable. But after my second viewing, I was like, okay, they probably had conversational sign language because they had a deaf daughter. But he did need to really bluntly communicate things. So I do get it. Why he has kept it like that for so long, I don't know. But it kind I think of- we're in a point of just. We need the we need it black and white. It's sort of to me the whiteboard was as far as from a writing perspective, it was rounding the edges off of blunt exposition. Yeah. Like it was it was kinda it functionally it did a nice job of 
giving a little bit of an info dump without having an info dump monologue. Well, as you all know, there's three in the, like, you know. Yeah, because you can't have, like, the television doing a news report right. or something like so that. So it was a, it was a good is... creative solution to that that need to get that information across, but it was kind of funny where he's like, what is its weakness? I think if he yeah. had it formatted like a little better where <laughs> weakness was just blank, that I think we could have been like, okay. <laughs> but Yeah, or weakness, question mark? <laughs> <laughs> yes. So, I mean, it was good. It was funny because I had that realization pretty early on about her hearing aid must be part of it. Because it said on the thing that it was blind, so it's clear, like, sound is it's super responsive. I loved how they showed, like, the inner ear of the monster working and did the sound. The entire creature design was fantastic. It was, I'm like, this weird lobster uh, demogorgon mixture. Yeah, the way its head moves in response oh, yeah. to hearing Especially and directionally. when the sound was too much. Yes. Yeah. Oh. It was so crazy. I really visually was really into that. And also how they amplified the sound. And the way that they they spent the money to make the creature look great. I was a little worried that we saw the creature so early on. And I was like, oh, Yeah, I was okay. a little worried we'd have sign syndrome. Yes. Where it's like scary in shadows, scary under the door, scary like in... Uh, honestly, I think the scariest thing was that guy in the woods. Oh. Um, when I, well, it was funny because... Uh, the guy next to me was sort of saying something quickly to me. And I was like, no, you need to pay attention right now. You need to fucking pay attention right now. And I was like, because it's something that's so quick when he walks by him and you miss it. And then you don't get why it's so freaky. Um, but I mean, what I loved is this movie is an hour and a half long. And I think if it was longer, it would not have been as good. It is so much happens so quickly. And those first five minutes, I will say... I did not think they would kill the kid. Yep. And they just killed him. And I, this was me the, at the, fir- the first part of the movie. I'm like, <gasps> and I'm like looking at people next to me. I'm just like, is everyone watching is- this? <laughs> I'm like, did you guys just see what happened on this big screen we're all looking at? No, it was just, oh my God. It was, it was, it was great. It was great. And it was amazing how without using you know, dialogue for the most part, you could sense that every single member of that family blamed themselves for that. The son for being sick, the daughter for giving him the ship, the dad for not being fast enough, and the mom for not carrying him. Like, you could tell they all carried that weight. And it's just, it's, and and the silence just perpetuates the fact that this family is going through so much and the fact that they cannot have a conversation about it. It, it just, like, it stifles them as a family. And it seems like they finally come together when... I was like, you know, they were really good for a few years, and then they just had a really loud night, and a lot of shit happened. Like, you, oh, man. When that nail got exposed, I was like, well, I'm going to be stressed out for the rest of the movie, <laughs> or... That was that was the stressful scene. Yeah. To the point that, like, the second time I saw it, I literally just hid, because I knew. Mm-hmm. That was the most stressful part of that whole movie for me, though, was knowing that that was going to happen at some point. And I had to tell the guy next to me, like, that's the only time it happens. Because he would just, every time they were on the steps, like, he would just get, like, all close up. And I was like, it only happens once. My my wife did the same thing. Every time somebody's going back to the stairs, she'd go, the nail! (laughs) 
that was like I think and then when she actually pointed it out when the kids were with her she, we were both like oh oh okay okay they're, they're gonna they're gonna walk around it it's all right but oh man it going back to what you said about it only being an hour and a half and it not being longer I think the pacing of this movie was probably its strongest point like it it knew when to take just a little bit of time like the the waterfall scene or that was a good scene. or Emily Blunt in the dead son's room I think or the dancing even the dancing that too was... like little moments that really fleshed out the relationships and let us really feel at home with them and really feel their lives but not so much that it was self-indulgent or not so much where it was like wandering into miniseries territory like it mm-hmm. was very intentionally paced and you could feel it like the beats were just building and building to the point where the last after the sun launches off the rockets from there to the end we've the frequency at which events happen has been getting closer and closer together but from that point on it's just one after another until it just keeps building and going and going and going and as soon as one problem solved another one appears and it moves so quickly through to the end the final moment of that movie I cheered in my seat as soon as she flips the radio over and Emily Blunt and her make eye contact and she cocks the shotgun and it ends in my seat I went (laughs) well I think it was the right place to end and I think you know I mean because you know that it's not over, but what else can you get to right. at that point? Without becoming a shooter. Figured out or a something. weakness. Yeah. Like they've opened up like to make the to make the creature vulnerable. Um there, a good question was brought to my attention though. They really don't explain if these are like if it's their creatures that came like it was an evolution thing if they were a if they were like sort of a a scientist experiment if they're aliens like it, that's not clear and I don't think it needs to be explained but I was curious about that that it didn't feel I mean you get these these shadows of what life was like before like when they go into the house mainly and look at the bedrooms where it seems like it whatever happened happened really abruptly because the daughter's bed is like unmade and you know there's still toys that suited each of the kids from the age they were when we started so the assumption is it's probably when it's the movie starts it's early it's early in when it's happened but late enough that they know that sound is a bad thing Uh, i think and in interviews they have referred to these creatures as from another world so i'm pretty sure they're alien but i think in my mind the most logical thing would be first wave of attack kind of hunter seeker drone-esque assault on a planet so that mama and daddy alien like these could be genetically engineered weapons or pets essentially of another alien race and after they've wiped us all out then they can gallivant down retrieve all of the uh you know howlers i don't really know what to call these things but all the that's a good name for them let's call them howlers cool feels a little harry potter right we'll call it yeah so retrieve all the howlers and then strip the planet of its resources or remake the world to be whatever you need it to be it'd be a very effective means of conquering 
I mean, yeah. It's, uh, it's... They did a really good job. I liked that they, they shadowed to the idea that there were people mm-hmm. alive beyond them, but they never introduced them because they felt like that was a good way to say, like, every... It, you know, this, this, this breed of farmer in... Where? Ohio? Iowa? Uh, no, I think based on the surroundings and how wooded it was, I would say probably like Pennsylvania. Pennsylvania? <laughs> that these people have survived. And you probably, you're going to see, if you've got a, an idea of the cities, like much more consolidated, like very few people. But like oh. these are like the strong few. Yeah, with enough space and enough resources to... To survive, but I think uh, speaking of farmers, let's uh, let's talk about let's talk about Farmer Krasinski. Farmer Krasinski, or or as his name is, nice is Lee Abbott, apparently. Yeah, the Abbotts. I, I saw that the daughter's name is Reagan. I'm like, they didn't. I just knew Bo. That was the literally the only person's name I knew. I like that they gave them names. It felt like I don't know. Felt like a teenager made this movie because they they had to have names. Well, I mean, um, I was just hoping that there would be another mailbox we would see that would say the Costellos, but that was just me. <laughs> so John Krasinski. Uh, John Krasinski wore a lot of hats in this movie, and thinking about that is incredibly impressive in this film he does a lot he's always been a guy that he he has very expressive eyes i think that's something people like fell in love with when he was on the office is he has these very expressive eyes and he is just known for his facial expression so it was interesting because he does very little he's a very stoic character he has a few conversations but i mean he very much is the caretaker of this family he constantly is looking forward constantly trying to troubleshoot constantly trying to protect his kids he's definitely has this hardened exterior and it seems like the death of his youngest son was part of that i will say that a big part of this movie is that the the mother in this family is pregnant and babies don't one no sign language and they cry when they're born and so these monsters are attracted to sound, so her being pregnant is kind of an issue. So a big part of this is them prepping for this baby to come, trying to figure out ways to soundproof part of the, their like their shed that they've made into their home and uh, trying to make it so that they, they can still live as a family and have this baby. So it's very tricky. Uh, uh, so there's that going on, but then there's also all these residual aftershock feelings of the youngest child, who was four at the time, being brutally murdered at the beginning of this movie by a howler because he plays with a rocket ship. Which anyone who's seen the trailer sees this scene, you kind of assume he rescues the kid, yeah, but he doesn't, <laughs> and or at least I assumed he rescued the kid. But he didn't. Uh, so you're kind of dealing with these four characters. So we're going to discuss the four characters. But John Krasinski, I felt like he had a lot to work with and a little to work with. He was doing so much. I felt like he was very good. I think, you know, Emily Blunt had the harder job in this movie. And so I feel like 
really more rested on her shoulders, in my opinion. And I think he did a very good job of in being very intentional as a dad, like his signing to his daughter, their relationship was very, very interesting to me. I think my favorite scenes were his interactions with the kids. Mm -hmm. I think it was very clear, like he and Emily Blunt, like they have really good chemistry together. It is very clear they are married and in love and their conversations felt very genuine. But I think really for me, it was his two really amazing scenes for me were his scene with his son when he was trying to explain to him making noise by the river, like the big noises, drowning out small noises. But the, just the the earnestness in his eyes as he's trying to explain, like it, he's trying to be direct and straightforward but still gentle with his child was really lovely, in my opinion. And the whole part where they're yelling at the waterfall because they can. And then the scene with, well, when he's telling his daughter he loves her, that's, I think that's a great moment. But uh, the scene where he's actually just trying to give her her new hearing aid. And she's like, it won't work. It never works. But they're signing this entire time. And you just feel he is trying to protect her the only way he knows how. And she is so angry and feels so lost in this world that everyone else is quiet too. She's not missing out on that. And it's a world where she probably should feel stronger because she doesn't hear and so she doesn't make sounds the way that other people do but she also feels very helpless and very out of place in their family especially since the death of her brother who she clearly was very attached to so I feel like he had a lot going on I feel like his beard was pretty impressive I would have liked to see I would have liked to see a bit more in the scenes uh where I feel like he is very much protecting and I would have liked to see a little bit more more vulnerability that we see like at the end. I would have liked to see that a little bit more. Um, you kind of start getting to see it when he thinks Emily Blunt is dead. Yeah. But but I wanted to see a bit more of that because he does have a good range. Uh, I would have, he's in a lot of, in a lot of the movie he's in his little man cave with all the screens and he's soldering uh, hearing aids and and the like and I kind of would have enjoyed enjoyed that's a weird word I think it would have given depth to his character to see a little more emotional turmoil when he thinks he's alone I think that's a fair critique um, I think the realities of the situation and looking at it uh through the lens of my own father and other fathers I know in times of crisis or dire situation, it is even when they're alone, I think it is easier to get shit done and to work on things than to process those feelings or to feel, let yourself succumb to despair because I think there's a fear and the longer you put it off and the longer you prevent yourself from feeling those things, the more likely it is. But I think the fear is if you open that floodgate, you won't be able to close it again. Um, and it's easier to just do the work and to get things done and to provide everything you possibly can Rather than, and you know, a conversation with his daughter, I think, would have gone a long ways. 
the way he had that great conversation with his son. Um, but I think he could only have a good conversation with his son because it became absolutely necessary because his son was so afraid and so scared of everything that he had to be a little bit vulnerable in order to, again, achieve that super objective of ensuring his children's survival. And in that way, it was, it was a good survivalist character role. And I think his yell at the end was him letting out everything, just everything from the death of his son to his missed opportunities with his children. He just, he let it, he let it all go in that moment. And I think, I think he had a, he had a very good performance. I agree that I would have liked one moment where he really let himself fall apart, but I think, I think he kind of got that for himself with the yell. Yeah, I agree. And I think it was great that he did. I mean, he sacrificed himself to save his children. And I think that was, you know, when it came down to it, that was the character. He would do anything to save his family, to protect them. Because, I mean, Emily Blunt put it really well. Like, if we can't protect them, who are we? Yeah. What are we doing? And what's the point? And I think you could see her, you know, taking her blood pressure and listening to the heartbeat and even though it was scary and they were preparing for the very difficult situation of having a newborn in this world i think there was some hope there there was some we are parents this is what we do we are having a child and it's going to be a good thing yeah although that's not how stethoscopes work well Not even in the future. Um, it's a movie. No. <laughs> I I know. I just thought it was funny when she was doing that, and like you could hear like the ultrasound heartbeat. And I was just like, "That's nope." Be much nope. much. You could maybe hear some rumbling, but you wouldn't wouldn't be quite. You would not get that clear a heartbeat. No, consistently. That's, yeah, it would come and go. Maybe the baby cut to the inside of her stump of her uh, uterus, and the baby is pressed up like heart first against the the wall of her stomach there just like pressing up right here mama right here listen to my ticker mama <laughs> uh, that's it's a great dialect for the kid this is um, how this is how i sound mama <laughs> i know you're giving a great sh- performance mama but i want you to hear my heart mama well, speaking, though, of the, the men in the Abbott family, I think we should talk about the son. I thought... Because really great hair. Really great hair. Yeah, like a tiny Timothy Chalamet. Um, he was he was a great character in that while I think he was... He probably had the least amount of screen time of the four, he really did a lot for, I think, being a younger sibling, being the... Um, you know, the only boy around, having suffered a, a traumatic event, and also coincidentally being at the time in his life where he is, especially growing up in like a farm culture, supposed to be taking a bigger responsibility, a bigger role, participating in the workload, dealing with, you know, fishing, hunting, whatever, harvesting, growing, like doing the big traditional manly man things. It's scary for for any kid to start taking those steps but considering the circumstances and the world that he's living in being frozen by fear 
of even the most basic things like checking the fish traps, checking those cages, like it was understandable. And I think it hit upon a really visceral and real part of growing up, especially as a boy, that point where you are still very much a scared kid, but you're being either called or pressured or forced into or have the expectation of stepping up and taking a larger, very male role of either these specific family tasks or just a masculine identity overall. And I think I I really gravitated towards the son because he really captured the sort of terror trap of expected and put upon masculinity that's not based on interest or effort, but based on expectation. And in this case, though, also necessity. And I think that's what made it complicated and not like toxic masculinity, where it was like, these are necessary things that you need to learn to survive, period. But having that be explored through a father and son relationship like that, given his age and everything that had happened, really, it made it complicated. And not just like this, you know, heteromasculine dad, you're going to learn how to do this thing. And the gentleness with which he handled him provided the nuance to keep it from being um i just want to dance dad no son of mine's gonna dance you're gonna learn how to fish and harvest grain like it 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 was very real and spoke to my own experience of like being a very emotional kid um and having to reach a point where i do i have to put some of that aside to learn how to function in the world um so i i thoroughly enjoyed his performance yeah so often i feel like when there's kid actors or a family with multiple kids that one of them is kind of disposable and i get that one of them got disposed of so we'll never (laughs) fully know one of them was literally disposable (laughs) but I think like that's the tricky thing when you have multiple kids in a film that it's sort of like, oh, this one's here to be precocious. Awesome. Great. Cool. This one's Nothing here to I've learn and grow. <laughs> exactly. So I felt like these two kids played such different roles and had such different journeys. And I loved that. And I thought it was really impressive that these two kids did it without a lot of words uh, or no words in some cases they were um, great they were really great my, my only note about him i thought he was i i agree i really did think like his fear it felt very under uh, well placed it felt very understandable i think his moment on the silo where he was like he's gonna come and everything i think that was a really great moment between him and his sister my only note was i liked that strength he showed that uh, that that like assuredness of that I would have liked him to have one of those moments he didn't need to be like the brave overcome his fears saves everyone kid I didn't think that was his role to play I would have liked him to have like one thing where because there were multiple howlers on their property and I would have like maybe 
intentionally him when he goes into neutral backing over the howler that had just murdered their father because there were others so they could have utilized a different one was the one that came to their house afterwards just something where he kind of overcame his fear in a moment and acted in some way that he got a little bit more vindication for the the path he had chosen like setting off the him running into that tire was kind of hilarious i laughed a little bit but i know i know uh, the moment you're talking about to quote uh yeah. to quote zorro you've taken your first step into a larger world like that little yeah. bit of a crossing of the threshold kind of thing yeah and he did set off the rockets to distract and he did do some interesting things i would have liked it to be something though he did without hesitation like one thing because like at the end of the movie i mean understandably but he's crouching in the corner protecting his baby brother which makes sense i and because that scene was not for him that scene was very much for the women in that family i would have liked him to have in the scene before something that's my only note about him i thought he was great and i would have just liked to see one more thing of him overcoming that you know we both really enjoyed a movie when the only notes we've had so far are additional moments it's like i just wanted one more thing for that character just wanted one one more thing um exactly yeah but he he was a great contrast to his sister who i i really really enjoyed but um whose name is apparently reagan apparently reagan reaganomics Apparently, Reagan would be a great Disney Channel original show. Reagan, I feel, for me, it, it was really hers and Emily Blunt's film. It was about them. It was about, like they, they had a lot going on. This actress has been in like three things. She is deaf. And so I, I immediately was like, is she deaf? Like, she plays deaf real well. Um,. She was just, she was stunning. She she had very little that she got to show. She was, was her, her role was very much about being subtle, about being a moody, like, preteen as well. But I had this moment where I was so impressed that she was able to portray that she was angry without making noise because, as I recall being a preteen, my number one tool was my ability to make noise. <laughs> Still, to this day, slamming doors, throwing things. It's effective. It is. So she, I mean, she doesn't get that chance. One thing that I really did love that was done with her character is when it's kind of going from her perspective, things are silent. I thought a very intense moment, when you learn a lot, but is when she is in the cornfield, she has come back from her brother's grave because she sees these fireworks she sees a flashlight in the corn and she's leaning down and a monster, a howler comes up behind. I'm really glad you coined that term because it makes it a lot easier. Um, a monster. <laughs> a howler comes up behind her and is like using its sonic ear because it's a, it's a, it's a, it's a, an elderly howler. <laughs> and so it's using its ear to sort of sense and so it hears crickets and then all of a sudden it starts getting feedback interference like a high frequency noise and she's like her hearing aid is hurting her ear and she's like feeling it and like she doesn't realize what's going on behind her though because she does not hear it and so 
she's kind of just experiencing this moment, she does not realize how close she got to being murdered. But it is this really interesting moment that is done and is com completely silent except for the noise that is happening from the hearing aid, which I did really, really like. And I felt like having her as a character was a really interesting choice. And I think she really did portray this idea of feeling like you failed your family and that you are separate from your family while still feeling allegiance to your family. And there's some really amazing scenes between her and her brother. I mentioned the silo scene. I felt like that was a really beautiful scene for her. Her scene with John Krasinski was wonderful. And then also her scene where she goes to her brother's grave was really heartbreaking. And I think for a virtually unknown actress, this was, an, uh, this was a very intense role to play. I would liken it to sort of Millie Bobby Brown where she came in and had to carry a lot of scenes and overwhelmed everyone. And I feel like that was the same. She gives me the same feelings, like the same shivers, the same excitement to see what she does. And she apparently is in this new Amazon series, like Wonderstruck, which I'm very excited about. And now I am going to watch it. Yeah, no, she she not only did a bang up job and I thought was entertaining and realistic, but she had very had a very clear relationship with her dad and a very clear relationship with her brother and her younger brother. I think they established their dynamic the most. I mean, her youngest, the one who gets got. Yeah, the, the, her, sorry, my neighbors are throwing, uh, it sounds like a ton of glass into a dumpster. Um, mm. The youngest brother, the, the, the youngest prior at the beginning of the movie. Yeah, the, uh, but, the howler snack. Um, she she had very clear relationships with with them. I feel like her relationship with Emily Blunt's character didn't get as fleshed out that's until the funny. end, but that's okay. Um, no, she was she was really good. I again only wanting one thing more from her. I wanted her to get it the opportunity, especially maybe right at the end, to use that Leatherman for something because if she never uses it, it's just product placement. Like what Leatherman? The Leatherman that her dad gave to her um, when they were about to leave town right at the beginning. And he's packing stuff up in his bag and he hands her the Leatherman and signs for you. And then right before she goes to the grave of her brother, she's packing that bag and she grabs the Leatherman and looks at it and then puts it in the bag. Which I guess is... Yeah, she does use it. How? She clips the cord of the jet so it can the light can work and no sound right, comes out. Right, 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 right. I meant she okay, so she does technically use it. I meant using it as like a like a knife, like as a weapon to. Uh, ah. See, Maisie, Maisie, Maisie didn't agrees. Like that idea. No, Maisie agrees. She was saying she agrees. I was I was really hoping she would get in a stab when it was coming at them in the in the pick 'em up truck, or something. Mm -hmm. but, yeah, that's that's a tiny tiny detail that only would have satisfied the knife collector that is Dan. So. I did like how well their Emily Blunt and her relationship expanded in that course of that one scene. Yeah. It was, and it was like this very mutual respect, which I loved. And it felt very, it was this different dynamic. Things turned. They depended upon each other. They recognized they're the two oldest in this family now. They're going to protect them and they're going to kick ass while they do it. Um, I also do think she had 
an amazing scene in the back of that truck as the monster is like trying to attack them and then she realizes what her dad is going to do mm-hmm. i i felt like there was a tremendous amount that occurred in that moment just between the two of them non-verbally and it was heartbreaking like tears in my eyes that it was because i was like no no, no, no. There's a way to get out of this. I, there is a way to get out. Guys, you need to understand there's a way to get out of this. Yep. But, I mean, in the end, he gave her the ultimate tool and weapon. Yeah. He did and still so, prepare mean, her. Like, he did. And that's the thing. Like, even in death, that wasn't how he saved them, ultimately. He saved them because of the day-in, day-out effort he was putting in towards her hearing aid. That's what saved mm-hmm. them. And so it was like his... His being a dad oh and that moment though when she finally goes into the basement and she sees all of the hearing aids and she like holds them in her hand and she like looks at her mom and they're not talking but they're just crying and like that realization of like he did this for you he did it because he loved you like this is what what he was doing all those times he wasn't with you i i was glad that it wasn't um emily blunt and the daughter that had the more tumultuous relationship it was nice to see a father-daughter relationship like that because it's so easy to be like you don't get me mom i'm your preteen daughter mom mom i don't like you mom we didn't need a ladybird too no we didn't need ladybird too um but to see that sort of recognition and that moment between them was one of the many lovely moments that the Emily Blunt had in this movie. She, which I mean, really, yeah, Emily Blunt. I mean, I've I've never disliked Emily Blunt, but I've never been like, oh my god, Emily Blunt, oh my god, like she's good, she's very good. I don't know you were pretty much like that after you saw Devil Wears Prada. You're like, oh, she didn't go to Paris. She didn't go to Paris. Um. I I enjoyed I've always enjoyed Emily Blunt's performances and I find her very charming, but um, she rocks in this movie, she really does. Like she has the most I think alone time, really of any character. She spends so much time alone and she has to anchor. She's the only one who really we get to see cry over the death of that of that child the death of Bo like she she is still mourning she is in the throes of grief but she's still doing laundry and cooking and teaching their children and getting ready to have a baby she's just nutted up and is taking care of things but she's the one who takes the time to go and dance with her husband she takes the time to mourn her child. Like, she lives, I think, the most full life of any of these Teaches characters. Teaches her kid math. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like, she's... And and trying to heal the relationships. Like, mm-hmm. saying, you know, like, you need to go with your dad. And... I think... I mean, she's very much a mom. Right. Like, I think, she, despite all the stuff that's going on, she's a mom first and a survivor second. Mm-hmm. And I think, honestly, I want you to go further into this character, but one thing I have to say is it was clear how, I mean, the love is very palpable between John Krasinski and Emily Blunt in the, this movie, but more so on in the scenes where it is just her. Because 
he gets her in a way. And I think that there was something really beautiful about those scenes, the silence and the simplicity of them, but there's a lot of beauty and care. And I think he really, this was him paying homage to the mother she is. Yes, John Krasinski, the director and the writer, really was loving on her in the scenes that were just her, more so than I think even the character he was playing did yes. for her character. Like he, yeah, you're 100% right. He, and you know, the way they tell the story, he got the script, decided he wanted to do it, but wanted to do some rewrites and whatnot. Um, and then she brought up and was like, maybe I should be in it or do this together. You know, and the way they talk about it is very sheepish and cute and very real. Um, but I really loved the way he filmed her. Like he knows his wife so well and he really took the time to and to, to not just recognize and you know the way he talks about it, you just turn the camera on with her just turn the camera on and make sure you get it all because she's great but he did light her very well too in a movie that's pretty dirty and real she had some very nice moments where she was almost angelically lit um with a primarily natural light um so he, yeah. he did a good job. He did a good job showcasing that. But I think, obviously, everyone talks about the bathtub scene and how intense and ridiculous. And honestly, what a quick delivery. That was not a that lot. Was, that was the thing where when she was in the shower and the baby was just there, it's like, not how it works. It's like, that is record delivery. I mean, I know you've done this, you know, three times before, but. My assumption was, it, I, I have a theory that it was a, a stress-induced labor yeah. obviously yep <laughs> and th- and that like ultimately that's why it went so quickly yeah. i mean i think also you know plot and time but but also that adds uh, the fact that it's a stress labor and she's her contractions must have been ramping she was up fast well, she was fighting mm-hmm. she was fighting it and i think that's like you know and that's also like the bleeding and all of yeah. that like it made more sense um, but, like, then also a pain, f- like, getting your leg impaled on the nail. Spoiler alert, it's her that walks on that fucking nail. God damn it. Um, but add insult to injury. But, like, all of the series, like, I mean, she's she's having a very intense and um, traumatic labor. Mm-hmm. And that's, uh, like, heart race, pulse, everything, blood pressure, like, can all affect that. So... But, that was sort of my theory on it. No, and I think was because she was fighting. I, I think that's that's accurate, and she she you know played that labor scene perfectly, like she crushed it. But there's been a lot of time already dedicated in reviews and interviews to talking about that scene. It's great. Don't get me wrong. My favorite scene with her was when she was teaching her son math. Oh my god! Yes, because it love was, that. and maybe it's because I was homeschooled, right? But just, it's 100% because you were It's 100% because I was homeschooled. <laughs> just the genuine joy when he gets it and she signs amazing. Amazing. Oh, you get her you get her personality. And she then. and she means it. She's not pandering to him. She's saying that's it's amazing. And it's both it's amazing that you did that and isn't isn't math amazing? Like she's both imparting a love of learning and a joy for who her son's becoming. And then you can see she's not trying to be like, you have to go be nice to your father. It's another, like, this is another opportunity for you to grow. And I really need that for you as your mom. I need that to happen. And she just, 
it was one of the most nuanced motherhood roles I've seen because she had the everyday active, really active parenting because the kids aren't going off to school and she's not going off to a job. Like she is a mom full time and howler hunter. Yeah. And she, and she's, she's also lost a child and she's about to have another child. So she is encompassing so much of the experience of being a mom. I think Mm -hmm. She perfectly embodies what I think this movie is. And I think this movie, in what Get Out was to the black experience living in a white supremacist culture, let's be honest, I feel like this movie is not just a family, but to a family that's experienced loss. Mm-hmm. Like, it so captures the way everybody else, all the members of a family would deal with something. And she she really was the through line of all the different themes and tangents that each of these characters are experiencing. She's experiencing all of them. And they're sort of offshoots of that thread. And uh, it makes this movie work as so much more than a heart-pounding horror movie. Yeah, and I think you made a good point, though. It, similar to Get Out, you are experiencing something very intense, but also ultimately a very pure kind of feeling and uh, idea, but in such an extreme circumstance. Like, you're seeing a family going through loss in a really extreme circumstance, which almost makes these emotions more pure. It heightens it all, yeah. more pure. And there's something to be said about that when it comes down to, yeah, yes, this is like a horror film. This is this is scary. This is thrilling. But when you get down to it, it is a story about a family who lost a child and who's trying to go through the process of coming to terms with that. And I like that these are the movies that are coming out now, these ideas that aren't adaptations and that aren't things that I've heard before. This is such a new concept. It was similar to Get Out or Lady Bird. Like, these are stories that are really feel exciting. These are voices that are interesting. Um, Regarding Emily Blunt, I think John Krasinski did a really good job of showing her true personality in this movie. And that is saying something when she doesn't get to talk much. But there, you mentioned her saying, like, amazing when she's talking to her kid. The scene where she's putting up laundry and then goes to uh, to her son's room. But then also, very sim- simply, when she goes down to the room where her husband is soldering the hearing aid and, you know, keeping taps on everything, and he, like, looks at her and says she's beautiful, and she does that fat face because she feels fat. Like, she is able to keep a humor in this severe circumstance. Yeah. She... She is very dear in that way. Like, I mean, you get a sense of who she is outside of this before this all happened, before she lost a child, before howlers came and infested the farmland that she lived in. Like, she was silly, and she had hope and faith in her family. And, like, that's why I feel like this movie really is, like, this love letter to her and to mothers 
and how strong they can be and how, you know, impressive and brave they are just every day. And, you know, that they are ultimately the survivors. This movie navigates its way through the murky and terrifying world of family loss. And she is the character who deals with it the fullest and in the most ways and has, you know, her her husband dies, her son dies, and she gives birth to a new life and she's got to keep her shit together, but not in like a hysterical, oh, the guy's coming at me and I have to put the bullets in the in the gun before I get, like she is. She came out to hug those kids with a gun yep. in her hand. Mm-hmm. She like was, it was another arm. She was I thought at first it was a crutch, yep. and then I was like, oh shit, no, it is a gun. <laughs> now this um, this movie's a must-see in theaters, in my opinion. I think it's not a, maybe you should see it. I'm telling everyone, go see this movie. Just don't eat chips and queso while you do it. No, don't don't have a loud snack. Go with someone that you feel Hold comfortable grabbing. Um, it's, it's a even if you don't like horror, I mean, if you're really horror averse and and you can't handle it, I would say don't. But it's not gorer. It's not gory. I'm not super into horror, and I really liked this movie. Like, I liked Get Out, and I liked this. Like, that's. I feel like if you really love a good plot, this is what that's about. This could almost be a social thriller. I think it was definitely more violent than Get Out, and more intense in the the violence perpetrated and the um the possibility of death was really looming versus the possibility of being programmed and having another person's brain put in your brain um but it was very intentional very well thought out and very very real and the more heightened it became the more real it became Agreed. Um, speaking on Get Out, though, have you seen the trailer uh, da, 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 for Sorry to Bother You? I have. Looks great. Uh, we need to we need to watch that and talk about we'll it. Make it happen. My girl Tessa. Also, do you see Tessa and Chris are coming back from Men in Black? Oh. Which I, I thought. Would, oh yeah. I thought someone was fucking with me. <laughs> You're like, who picked this out of my brain? I thought the guy in the brain? movie theater next to me was fucking with me. Because um, I was like, no, they're not doing that. But they are. They are indeed. Because someone out there loves me. No, I just, I love, I love that kind of bizarre twist on reality. Like Get Out and, and A Quiet Place, which is the movie we were just talking about. Dan, are there any other things you would do? I know we talked a little bit about how we would ex- how we would add things, and is there anything else you feel? Is there I, is there a title you would rename? Yeah, it? my brief additions are my only rewrite for this. There's just a yeah, few, a few like, moments I, that just tiny little pepperings, just little little itty bitty things that I think would work. And it's only just to see the characters more. Yeah, like honestly, this movie was not too compact. It is a great movie, and structurally, it's darn near a perfect movie. It's very good. Um, I, and I mean that pace I really don't think relentless you can... no I think yeah it's so good I think the only thing I mean like I have knots in my back though. I know it's so oh, my wife's probably still shaking I think the only thing left to do is to give this bad boy some alternate titles yeah I think we do need to give it some alternate titles what do you got for me Dan I I was stretching 
and and searching and <laughs> I think I, I I I shot it off too early with John dies at the end, but I think a good another good alternate title for this would be Look who's talking now. <laughs> That's good. Especially, I was actually thinking about that 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 franchise when you were doing the baby voice, um, which I really hope you keep in. Yeah, of course I will, Mama. <laughs> oh, okay, don't ever call me Mama though. It's weird. Okay. Um, for me, I would go lowercase M, mother exclamation. <laughs> well done. Well that scene done. In the basement, I was like. Yeah, <laughs> that's in the basement. I was just like, <laughs> guys, you know what movie we're going to be doing next? I don't even know what movie. Um, it's a little indie flick called. Oh, oh yeah, that one, yeah. that little one. The one, yeah, uh, the uh, one about the the deformed the purple guy. guy with an affinity for jewelry, who's who's and death. Yes, he's looking for stones and, um, yeah, Thanos gets stoned. I think that's what it's called. Dude. Where uh, where's my Infinity Stone? Okay, we can't use all these up early. If you want to hear more <laughs> alternate titles, tune into the next episode of Slow Claps and Rewrites, where we will be reviewing Avengers. Avengers Infinity, Infinity War. War. I was trying to do it at the same time as you, but let you, me do I it in post. Let me do it in post. <laughs> I'll make a. I can tell what your pacing was. <laughs> Avengers Infinity War. Or now we do slow mo. Avengers. Oh, I really fast. That's where I'm going to end it. I hate myself. Keep writing, keep watching. A Secret Weapon Production.